Welcome to the Ed Franklin No Limits podcast. Um, if you uh, want to get a hold of me, like I always tell you, it's edfranklin.nolimits at gmail.com. If you'll notice, I have a gentleman here that looks familiar. John Riley is joining me today, um, who has a John Riley Project uh, podcast. He does a lot of podcasts, actually. He loves, I always kid him because he loves the news, he loves politics. If you like those topics, and I think he's a good presenter of those topics, he's not on one side or the other, really. You can kind of tell sometimes when he's on one side, but <laughs> he, um, you should listen to his podcast. So that's John Riley Project. He's on Facebook and LinkedIn, and he's everywhere, YouTube and all that. He can give you more information, but Happy New Year, John. I haven't talked to you uh, well, done well before the New Year came, so how you doing? Yeah, Happy New Year to you. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. So I thought we just, you know, I just kind of thought I want to do more podcasts this year, and I thought we'll just do one and just kind of catch up on some things. I told you I have two screens here next to me that have stuff that happened in 2022. And I always like your opinion on things because it's different than mine. <laughs> okay. So I always like just, I just like the feedback you give me. And, you know, I think people might find it kind of interesting. Um, are you a new year's resolution person? Do no. You do those? no, no, no. Um, so obviously a lot of people do those. <laughs> and I have done those in the past and I have a couple of resolutions that I, I, I do I do kind of use the first of the year to kind of start the ball rolling on some things. And I would say that I'm 80% you know, successful on those things. Right now, we're only in 13 days. I'm 100% successful on exactly what Good. I wanted to do. Good. And it will help me with my podcast and some other things. But I'm not going to talk about specific, specifically what those are because you'll find out in my podcast. So I'll just leave that hook out there for people. So <laughs> do you have friends that do that and you watch them? You know, I mean, I think when we get older, we don't do them as much, but there's younger people, you know, tend to do those a lot more, I think. Well, it's not so much that I don't do New Year's resolutions, but it's an ongoing process that happens 365 days. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I always say, too. It's not just New Year's, right? So, you know, I'm always trying to be in the moment, be self-aware, to think and make rational choices at every step of the way. And if I can do that in my personal life and my business life and all the other categories of my life, then I'm going to keep making progress towards my ultimate goals. You know, Tony Robbins used to have this acronym. It was CANI, C-A-N-I. It was constant and never ending improvement. Yes. I remember that from the eighties and it's very, it's relevant, right? To your life. You're always trying to do something a little bit better you know, build a better relationship with people or whatever it is. So, yeah, you're like me. I mean, we're just always trying to make our podcast better, get better guests, all those things. So I, I guess that's, um, you know, kind of the, the rest. I'm kind of constant state of resolution, I guess. Yeah. And awesome. as, as we all should be, we should all be learning and right. reading and thing. I just have a friend that wrote a book. It just actually came out on New Year's. I don't know if he planned that, but uh, I'm excited to read his book. I don't generally go for those sales types of books, but he's kind of getting, he's telling stories in his book. He's a good storyteller. Great. So I'm excited about that podcast. So uh, 2022, like every year, it's always, you know, when you look back, it's always crazy, all the stuff that happens. Mm -hmm. Um, I think over the last 10 years, we've had crazier years than I can ever remember. And I said something to somebody the other day. I'm, I'm so... I think my biggest irritation with our government and all these, everything that's going on is we've become so separated, so segregated again. I feel like racism is worse now than it was 25 years ago, you know, looking back and 
And I said something, kind of got some strange looks in this. I said, you know, 9-12 was one of the most memorable days of my life because everybody was unified, right? On that mm-hmm. one day, or maybe that one week, we were all really unified as Americans. And it felt so good. Of course, the tragic happenings on 9-11 were just unfathomable. But the way the, the, way the country came together was so... Wonderful, and that's how we should be on a more of a regular basis, and we're just not. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a problem. I mean, you see a lot of this uh, factionalization of society. You know, all these racial identity groups, religious identity groups, gender, sexual orientation. I mean, yeah. we can make the list. I know. I like to think of it is that we're all individuals. And we all have our inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I have it. You have it. The guy next door has those same rights. And if we respect that in each of us, then I think we can break down a lot of this this collective thinking and really look at people more as individuals rather than a group that they identify with. Well, it's funny. And and teenagers will do this. They'll say, uh, uh, you know, they'll dress weird or color their hair or whatever. And you say, you know. Why are you doing that? Well, you know, I want to be an individual. But then you go to the school, and they all look the same, right? We did yeah. this. We did yeah. this as kids too, and or guys that ride Harleys. You know, when I when I had my Harley, you'd ride up and they say, "Yeah, we're we're bikers. We want to be individuals." And we all wore the same jackets and boots, and you know, we were all like teenage girls trading secrets on where to get the next leather piece for our motorcycle. So it's we like were, in uh, the movie. It's like in the movie Fast Times at Ridgemont High, where there were yeah. three girls that looked like Pat Benatar. Exactly. <laughs> For you young people, she's a singer. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's funny. But I, I don't. Um, I know the Chamber of Commerce. After I left, they started a, um, a women's group, and I didn't like. I don't like those kind of groups, and it's not because they're women. It's because I don't like identifying a CEO as a woman CEO. I'd rather just say that person's a CEO. Doesn't matter whether he's a woman or a man. Same with athletes. Doesn't matter what color they are. They're athletes. They're basketball, football, golfer, whatever they are. Yeah. I hate the identification with a race or a gender in front of that, um, in front of that title. I, it just always bothered me. And um, I don't know. That's just one of those little pet peeves I had. I would have never allowed for that to be part of the chamber, but they have it that way. And I'm glad they do it. You know, they all get along and they they have a nice group of people. I just don't like the identification every time. Well, you know, their response will be, that's easy for you to say as a white male. Of course. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, whatever floats your boat. I mean, if you want to get in a group with other like-minded individuals, that's fine. You know, yeah. um, if, if I, I don't have an objection to a women's group at a chamber, that I mean, that's not that big of a deal. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, when it, when it gets to different people thinking that one group is better than another group and there's a hierarchy of groups and yep. that's when it gets bananas. So, um, you know, in the end, you know, we should all be the best individual we can be, you know, and keep getting better every day. Right. Yeah. Best version of ourselves, Right. Right. So let's bring up, let's, uh, let's go to, uh, for instance, I don't like talking about this people that we've lost, you know, most notably yesterday, of course, I was very shocked by Lisa Marie Presley passing away. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm shocked, not because I knew her, not because I was a big fan or anything, but I was obviously, a, 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 not obviously, but I was an Elvis fan. And I remember her as a child, right? So she was, I'm about six years older than her. And 
I always, I always knew she wouldn't have an easy life, right? Being the son or being the daughter of a yeah. mega star like that. And with him dying early, of course, then he was elevated to another level. It seems like when we lose celebrities, they get elevated to another uh, level of greatness, whether yeah. they were that person or not. We just do that on purpose. But so obviously she didn't die and she didn't die last year. But um, what struck me is I wanted to, I just wanted to bring her up because that was, I don't know, it kind of hurt a little bit. I know when we lost Robin Williams, that one really bothered me, you know, not, and I'm not a Star Trek stuck person. Like I said, I don't know these people personally, but when you grow up and you have these people in your life constantly, and Robin Williams always seemed to me to be a really kind individual, mm -hmm. very giving, uh, funny, obviously, he's super talent, but always struggled, right? Always seemed to, he would, he would struggle too during things like that. So, um, so most notable, so I'm going down this list and it just looks like they're listed at um, most recent Barbara Walters. So we both grew up mm. with Barbara Walters. Yeah. Um, she was 93, of course. So, you know, that's pretty good life, right? 93 years of yeah. life. She's had a great uh, life. But super impactful. Talk, talk about yeah. a woman um, making, you know, a woman that really broke down barriers. She was one of those people that did that. Yeah. I mean, it, it's interesting because you know, it's always in the news and celebrities pass. I know I think the, the drummer for Bachman Turner Overdrive just passed away last night. And then, oh, wow. I didn't and, see that one yet. And then we lost Jeff Beck, you know, the, the famous guitarist. I mean, yeah. we were always losing people and, it, and we think about the impact they had in our lives. But I typically reflect on it as, you know, it makes me understand mortality, you know, that well, I was just going to say that we start thinking about our own, right? Yes. Because we look at their age and especially if they're younger, like Lisa Marie Presley was younger than me or us. And yeah, she's she, 54, oh, right? Yeah. Plus they had some video of her, of course, with social media at an event the night before. And she didn't look good to me. She looked, <clears throat> she might've, you know, might've been, had, had some fun pills or something. She just didn't look <laughs> super pills. healthy, right? Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't want to imply that she was taking something. I just felt like maybe she didn't look, you know, a hundred percent. So, um, kind of a you know, and, and I I don't know if I'd say a sad day. I mean, I, I probably won't lose sleep over it, which I'm not being rude or disrespectful. Yeah, yeah. It's just I didn't have a day to day, you know, working with her. So here's another one that just came up: Pope Benedict. So I'm a Catholic, right? So. When a pope dies, it, it's a wave of, you know, prayer and reasons to bring him up and things like that. Um, I don't know how much you know about Pope Benedict. He was, uh, I don't know, he was kind of a placeholder pope, if you ask me. Yeah. Like um, Pope John Paul was the, was the, I guess, the, he set the bar pretty high. So anybody that came in after him was going to have, you know, their work cut out for him. And. And Pope Benedict, I mean, he was pretty obviously conservative because he's Catholic, but he wasn't rocking any boats or anything. So, and I yeah. thought he was sick when he started being pope. To be honest with you, he didn't look good either. Well, it was, so. It's odd for a pope to resign, you know, yes, before they definitely. pass. Yep. So that just kind of created an unusual situation. Um, the pope is—it's an interesting figure in you know human history, where yeah. they've gone from being political leaders to and religious leaders to now religious um, and then having, you know, varying levels of influence in society. I mean, Francis seems to be, you know, a pretty sharp individual. He's got, he seems like he's a very progressive 
pope. Um, pope a little Francis. more liberal than the uh, yeah. than the average than the average yeah. pope. And I was very surprised. So when Pope John Paul died, my mom was still alive, and I was watching kind of the political leveraging with these other people that wanted to be pope because they vote on it. Basically, the cardinals and bishops vote on it, mm-hmm. and I, the position, the political p- positioning was really odd to me. Like my my mom didn't agree with me that they were doing that, but it was super obvious they were coming out and getting in public and, you know, kind of like running for an office almost. Oh, totally. Which, which according to how they're picked, shouldn't have been that way. But so that's just, I don't know, something my mom is super, super conservative. So um, have, you, have you ever seen the series on Netflix, Borgia? Uh, no, I am not a big I don't watch very much TV. I, I should probably get with the, with the times a little bit and binge watch some of these things. But I would be more apt to watch a documentary about something, which that sounds like that might be kind of well, a documentary. It's, you know, it's sort of a slightly fictionalized version of history. And it's yeah. and it was I can't remember the Pope's like Christian name that he took on. Um, but he was the Borgia family. It was right around the year 1500. And, oh. and uh, you know, Rome had, you know, the papal states in Italy and Florence was a rising power. And there was just a lot of interesting things that happened during that time. And back then, popes had mistresses. And um, it's something that's it's if you're interested in, you know, the Catholic Church and history, that's a really cool show. I might check that out. Yeah. So I don't because I get asked that a lot. My kids will say, well, did you watch this series? And I'm like, you know, we just don't, just not something I do on a regular, I'd rather go to the gym, you know, because I could binge watch it at the gym, but I'd be like those kids sitting on a machine for a half an hour. <laughs> Another person, Pele. So ah. I was never uh, very interested in soccer because it just wasn't a popular sport, but he was definitely a world renowned figure mm-hmm. uh, and, and the best in his position at that point, you know, when he was playing. So there's a um, there's a movie called Vision Quest that I one of my favorite movies from the '80s, and it's a wrestling movie. But the, this guy tells a little clip. He talks about Pele and how he was watching TV and how all these people were just going nuts, and he flipped upside down and did one of those backwards kicks. Oh yeah! And the whole crowd went crazy, and he said, "You know, just for that one, it doesn't matter what happens in the six. It doesn't. It's not the six minutes that matter. It's what happens in the six minutes or whatever." You yeah. Know? For this, so that that uh, Pele resonated with me big time. Um, there's a there's a great clip of, Pe- and I've learned now it's not Pele, it's Pele. You okay, know, you know because the the accent is on the second e, and so yes. Pele was uh, on the Johnny Carson show, and oh, he, yeah. and he did a bicycle kick, you know, over the head kind of kick, and then he had Johnny Carson trying it, and it's just comedy gold if you can find that clip. Oh my god, so. Um, I watched those Johnny Carson clips, and one of my favorite comedians ever is Don Rickles. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was – he would just say anything, right? His lack of caring for uh, nationality or prejudice, <laughs> it was just – it was what made him so funny. And, um, he, boy, if you did that comedy these days, because yeah. they'd hang you by your toes, man. No way. <laughs> I know. Um, Kirstie Alley really surprised me. So mm. I'm looking at Kirstie Alley here. She was 71. Um, beautiful, beautiful woman. Watched. So she's an interesting cat because although she was entertaining and funny, she was struggled a lot in life with weight and things like that. And so we got to, you got to get an inside view of, you know, here are these superstars. You think nothing, these people don't have any problems. Here's a woman that had definite problems that she struggled publicly with, you know. 
Yeah, that, that one sort of shocked everybody because it came out of left field. Yeah, uh, but yeah, just another one on the long list of the we've lost. Uh, so this one I didn't even know this person, the Stephen Twitch boss. He was on Ellen. Uh, yeah. I don't really know who he is because I never watched Ellen. Boy, a lot of kids that were um, uh, my kids were very shocked, from this. and and yeah, I think he committed suicide too, which was even worse. Yeah, he had a, apparently a very big social media presence as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that that I mean, I didn't really know much of him either because I didn't watch Ellen. But, yeah, that one was another shocker. He seemed like a really cool guy. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's a couple here that I really know. Queen Elizabeth was an interesting one. So ah, talk yeah. about history, yeah. Uh, she was 94, of course, probably had a good life. She was um, – I always – Think of her as just being a badass, right? Just like keep it like my mom would keep the house in order, even though she was five two, right? We were all <laughs> big kids or whatever. She would keep that. I figured like she was like my mom of England, right? She just kind of kept everybody's ass in order. Yeah, uh, didn't do didn't do such a great. You know, her kids did what they wanted, but I think she was always that hand, that big hand that would say, "No, you can't do that." And I think she was pretty well loved around the world. Do you think that? Oh, definitely. I mean, she was the queen for, was it 70 years, which I think is was longer than Queen Victoria, which that's incredible. Yeah, Um, the longest reigning British monarch was 94. She was the longest reigning British monarch. Yeah, so that that was was, uh, was a big event. But we kind of all saw that happening. But you everyone sort of figured that Prince Charles would have been king. You know, 20 years ago, it's just that yeah. Elizabeth lived so long. So, wow. Well, I think she was, uh, I think she's, I think she had a heavy hand and she wasn't, she was very protective of, of England, right? Um, we're seeing the mess they have over there now with these kids that are kind of, you know, on social media and everything. It's, it's kind of a joke. Um, Bob Saget, this one really shocked me. Mm. So, you know, grew up with him. He was 65, right around my age. Um, uh, just went to sleep and didn't wake up, basically. And but you know what I learned? It's it's nice. That's the wrong way to put it. When you find out these people pass away, you start learning about their life a little bit. This guy was really loved. He was really this super kind person in Hollywood that everybody loved. And he was yeah. very giving. He would show up at things that he, he could have easily passed on. But he was always trying to help out his friends and show up. And just a lot of good press that he got after after he passed away. Yeah. I mean, I just knew him from full house and America's funniest home videos, but I, I, uh, same with you. I was just really surprised to hear the love and appreciation for people in, in comedy, in Hollywood that just really held this guy up on a pedestal. And he, they were, someone was talking about how much he helped the charities and things like that. And he would show up and just give up his time to, so I was kind of impressed by that. And, you know, you never know about that stuff. So Angela Lansbury, um, hmm. and a lot of you people listening here, especially if you're younger, you probably know who these people are, but she was 96 years old and she was in movies forever. And, and a gorgeous young woman when she was young, boy, she was just beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we all know. Yeah. I was going to say, I think we all know that television show, Murder, She Wrote. Right. But, uh, but the uh, that's how I know of her. Um, but, yeah, she did have a great Hollywood career, for sure. Yeah, well, we, you know, Kit likes those older movies, so we'll see a lot of She did The Voice and Beauty and the Beast, which I've seen 300,000 times having seven daughters. <laughs> um, classy woman, though, like never, you know, never in, this, in a negative spotlight or anything like that. 
Another mm-hmm. person is Sidney Poitier. So here's a guy that probably opened a lot of doors for black actors mm-hmm. and um, was a brilliant actor himself. He was 94 as well. So he was he was getting up there. But um, uh, the epitome of class, I would say, as far as I'm concerned. Can you imagine living to be 94? I can't imagine living to 60, dude. And I just turned 60 in June. So <laughs> I... And I'm not kidding about that. I never thought I'd live this long because my parents and grandparents did not live this long. Like my mom died when she was 60. Wow. So uh, my dad died at 46. My grandfather he was in his 50s, I think, when he passed away, maybe late 50s. Um, and then on the flip side, I have some relatives that are 100 and you know that are 100 years old that drink whiskey and smoke cigarettes every day. So <laughs> it's one of those things you don't know. But we were talking about age today at work, and I saw a meme the other day that showed a sitcom when the people were 45, and they looked 65, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we're in a different time now. People, that, that they say the 40s and, or 60s is the new 40. Right. I, I really agree with that because a lot of people our age are completely fit and, you know, going to be around a long time. And look at some of the newscasters we have that are 72. You know, I think Al Michaels is like 72, yeah, you would never know that by listening to him. You're right. So, um, we're definitely in a different time. We're healthier. I saw a thing. One of the events was with 2022, or is it uh, cancer survival is much higher than it used to be. Like yeah, we should sure. be higher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll do a couple more of these. This one really. This one made me uh, tear up. This is Olivia Newton-John. Uh, everyone's sweetheart. Everyone's sweetheart. She had battled with breast cancer and kind of got over it. Never negative in the news. Always just a wonderful, beautiful, every teenage boy's, you know, fan in, in Greece and all the movies she did. And her voice was like angelic. And, and that was a sad one. 73 years old. But you know, she lost that battle to cancer. Um, another, like I said, that was just one of those people that um, we grew up with. And my, my dog wants to be on your podcast. That's all right. I can hear you're, him. You're, you're parking in the background. Um, you got Ray Liotta. That was a shock to me. Oh, Although yeah, yeah, him. yeah. He was only 67. So um, iconic movies he was in. Mm-hmm. I remember this one movie he was in. I don't even remember the name of it. But he was um, he was a cop that was like this, like a psychotic cop. And he was after this girl. Mm-hmm. And uh, the guy, it's so believable. I mean, made me crazy. Yeah. Um, Anne Heche, that was kind of an odd one. Remember, she was in that yeah. car accident. Um, yeah, that was weird. She might have been taking some of those happy pills, too, while she was driving. <laughs> so that's it's still sad. She she yeah. was uh, very popular. Um, let's see here. Well, I see some other people, but not uh, probably most people wouldn't even know these guys. So anyway, things that happened. Me too. So we got a Ukrainian war. Putin invading Ukraine mm-hmm. um, shocked me because I've been through at the end of Vietnam um, some shenanigans over in the Middle East in the 80s, right? Yeah. And then Desert Storm. And then this one was really shocking because, you know, Russia is such a big power. You kind of start getting nervous. They're going to go further, right? They're going to go to the Ukraine. Then they're going to go next door. Then they're going to go next door. Then they're going to go next door. Mm-hmm. So that one was kind of that that really shocked me. Have you done any uh, stuff on your podcast about that? Not really. No. Uh, yeah, I try to stay more. My, my focus is on local content. But uh, it, it is an interesting event. 
I think what the Ukrainians are doing is downright heroic. Um, you know, Zelensky, I mean, the guy is no saint, but it's interesting to see him as a heroic war, world, uh, wartime president. Yeah. Um, and it's also, I think, proving that the Russian military is not anywhere near as powerful as a lot of people thought. Well, techno- technologically, I think they've fallen behind, right? Yeah. That's how we fight our wars, right? We put some kids in a basement with some Mountain Dew and Cheetos <laughs> and they give them a fucking handheld thing and they that's how they fight the war right. so um yeah I, I was just really surprised by the whole thing and of course the timing you know after trump's out and then you know so it was just kind of weird timing too um the one that keeps popping up here is inflation so <laughs> what a crazy year with pricing gas and everything else in the world yeah just going to the roof and it's it's all the result of the pandemic and the policies the government enacted to try to, you know, rescue people through the pandemic. You know, they, they shut down production, closed businesses, stay at home orders. Businesses produce less supply. Yeah. And then meanwhile, they they drop money out of helicopters, six trillion dollars of new cash. So demand went up. Supply went down. So what happens to prices? They go up. Yeah. So this yeah. is a totally government-created mess. We are um, – I probably said this on your podcast when I was there. I'm, I'm embarrassed of the, the United States right now and the mess we're in politically, the, the mudslinging, the stuff that just went on last week with the Speaker of the House. We just look like – we look like uh, um, I was the Keystone Cops. Yeah. We just look like we have no – Resent, you know, we don't. There's no resemblance of organization at all, and well, it's embarrassing to me. You know, and then the media, and then I'm getting what the media says, so I can be completely off. But um, yeah, crazy, crazy stuff going on in our government right now. Yeah, and I, I mean, there's a lot that we could talk about or complain about, but to me, the Speaker of the House thing, it went 15 votes. I think um, mm-hmm. it on one level it seems embarrassing, but on another level, it just goes to show you that. Democracy is messy. And this is part of the process that you've got to work and cooperate and sometimes compromise with other people. Um, It just worked out that the numbers were such that a few people could hold out and get leverage. And that's what happened. Um, You know, previously, like, you know, when Pelosi was speaker, she'd had all of her ducks in a row in November. So they just roll into January and it was rubber stamp go. So this was a little bit more of, I think, the reality of how democracy is supposed to work. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's because I was less interested or less, if I just wasn't paying attention, I had enough stuff on my plate not to pay attention, but it feels messier than it ever has been. Oh, uh, for sure. It was messy uh, to me Mm -hmm. right now. So let's see what else has been, what else? So what happened in San Diego and you have your finger on the pulse of San Diego. Tell me about what you (laughs) look back on 2022 well, I mean, you know, here locally in our Poway, Rancho Bernardo, Rancho Penasquitos area, it's just been an explosion of housing, you know, right. with with uh, Merge 56 and the Doubletree Golf Course and Penasquitos and, and Poway Road and the farm in Poway. It's just a lot of change. And we're going to see a lot more higher density housing. Um, and, you know, the world is shifting and a lot of people are figuring out ways to adapt to it and other people are just downright angry 
So I call on cities in my new role with this concrete cutting company. And I was surprised to find out that Lemon Grove only has about 30,000 people in the Grove. Mm-hmm. Um, Poway's about 50, you know, 49, some change. Escondido's about 119,000. I was very, I went by after your podcast a while back. I went by, I, I heard your podcast and I drove, I had to go to Poway and I drove down the Spola Road. I was blown away how close those houses are to the road. Yeah. I was really surprised by that. I thought they were going to be setting back further. Well, um, I think there's going to be, you know, plants and trees and things that'll yeah. be in, in between the road and those houses. But yeah, it's a way different. <clears throat> I mean, they, they moved the earth, they carved it up and yeah. it's, it's a, it's a shocker when you drive by it for the first time. Well, when I was in the crane business, I used to tell people I never, you know, in the old saying, we can move mountains. I would watch companies move mountains, right? They wanted yeah. to build something somewhere, they would move a mountain. And it was always uh, surprising to me. It was blow me away that they could do that. And um, how fast those houses went up too. And then, of course, Poway Road, um, you've had multiple discussions on that, especially during um, political season about those places. And I do go to Poway, I mean, maybe a couple times a month for whatever reason. I have friends still there. and I, I go there for whatever reason. And I'm not sure. I'm not used to it yet, but I don't drive through it every day. You know, those those homes on Poway Road. I'm yeah. still surprised at this, that hole in the ground. That one still blows me away. Yeah, that's a disaster. I don't know what the solution is there. Yeah. I know that um, the mayor of San Diego, Todd Gloria, just gave his state of the city address. Mm-hmm. And um, I got to go back and go through it in detail because I think that's a good podcast episode. But I, the highlight is, is that he talked a lot about the need for more housing and and housing, building more housing as one of a myriad of ways to help solve homelessness. That was a big part of his speech. And then they're talking about more infrastructure. But So I'm glad you brought that up. I mm-hmm. I was talking to somebody the other day, and I said, I think that the biggest problem we – one of the biggest problems we have in America that's on the top of my mind is homelessness. Yeah, it's a huge problem. I, we are having – and I haven't seen anybody come up with anything close to a good resolution for this. Because mm-hmm. the problem is, even if you build the homes, right, and you go, okay, we have – Let's say we have 2,000 homeless people. We build 2,000 places for them to stay. We put them in those. How long would they stay there? How long would it be before they'd be homeless again? Mm-hmm. Even if you didn't charge them, even if you just said, not that, not that I think that they do it as a choice. There's several people out there that have uh, mental issues. There's, they're down on their luck. There's a lot of different reasons they could be homeless. I, and, and I was down, I went to Los Cratos Milpas the other day, down that Mexican restaurant down by Chicano Park. Mm-hmm. They have tent cities down there. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, are we, we can't figure this thing out. And look at, look at LA and, and San Francisco. It's crazy how bad it is. Yeah. In Sacramento too, the state capital, I was up there last year and huge homeless encampments. And well, do you think prob- building more homes is going to help? That's one of the solutions. Okay. Um, uh, I mean, because you figure that the people are homeless for a variety of reasons. Um, you know, a lot of it's economic, you know, for okay. the rents got so high that they couldn't afford to live. So they got they got um, kicked out of their place. Maybe they've lost a job. So there's economic reasons. There are uh, substance abuse reasons where their life goes sideways with drugs or alcohol. You've got um, military coming back with PTSD and other mental health issues. That plays a role. So there is no like silver bullet, single solution that you can push a button and it's solved. Yeah. 
And it took us a long time to get here, but it's one symptom overall of a housing crisis where there's not enough housing. Housing's too damn expensive for people on the low end of the scale. And those that are on the very edge fall off the cliff and they end up living in tent cities. So building more houses is part of the solution. Maybe allocating some of that for homeless. I mean, that's something that could be discussed. You know, there's there's uh, addiction issues that have to be addressed. Um, there's a lot of different things to solve this, but it's not an overnight solution. No, not at all. Yeah. Did you, after the elections were done in Poway, just because that's kind of what you focused on, did you have any more conversations with people that didn't win on your podcasts? Um, I, you know, just, you know, kind of casual conversations on okay. social media. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, most of those candidates have kind of gone quiet. You know, um, well, it's really nothing to do. I mean, it's done, but well, take that um, back. One of the candidates, Delta Esparza, who ran for mayor in Poway, yeah. she's now getting involved in the, the San Diego County Democratic Party and doing some, you know, mobilization of grassroots folks. So, yeah, they're, they're still kind of busy, but the commentary on Poway has largely gone quiet. Yeah. Well, they're kind of stuck. They I mean, they have the same problems they did six months ago, right? Yeah. We got a hole in the ground. We have housing that's not done, and there's nothing you can do about it now. It's moving, so mm-hmm. can't really do anything about it. It's what's done is done. I had the other day someone was complaining about how crowded the gym was. Right, it's January. The gyms are crowded. Well, yeah. <laughs> and I said, you know, um, I said, you know, we should build more gyms. That's that's encouraging. We should be happy that people are going back. Totally. Yeah. To the gym. So, and this guy says, no, we have enough gyms. We need more restaurants. I said, well, you can't. <laughs> The restaurants won't come unless there's people to pay for food, right? Right. You don't want the housing, but then you want nicer restaurants. You don't want gyms to be crowded, but you don't want any more gyms. Correct. So it's always this, you know, flip-flop thing. And I just am patient when I go to the gym in January and February. Just, do I like it? Of course I don't like it. I want to get in and out. But I'm also encouraged that people are trying to do something, yeah. maybe fulfill those resolutions or – Mm-hmm. They're out walking or they're doing something to make themselves better. Look, the pandemic, it would have been much, we would have been much better off encouraging people to get healthy when the pandemic started instead yes. of walking them in their house, right? Yes. We know that probably on average, people gained 30 to 40 pounds during COVID, you know, across the U.S. being locked mm-hmm. into their house. I drank 10 times what I drank alcohol-wise during that time. And <laughs> well, that's a lot. <laughs> Dude, I would start, you know, <laughs> instead of starting at 5.30 or 6, I was 3 o'clock some days. I was popping open that <laughs> bottle, and I I had to address that, right? Yeah. Say, I can't do this. I uh, wasn't addicted by any means, but I had to go, you can't do this. You can't drink this much. Mm-hmm. And I mean, really, the reality is I should, be in a, I should have been in better shape after COVID than when I, afterwards than before it started. I mean, it was ridiculous, some of these policies they enacted when they shut down gyms. I mean, these gyms are actually having people work outdoors, like in the parking lot. They set yeah. up their, their equipment um, yeah. and they were still being shut down. And to me, that was just tyrannical what yeah. happened during COVID. Um, and now we're learning that, you know, we we wouldn't have been that much worse off if we had let people remain active live their life, make decisions about their own life and their own risk tolerances. Yeah. If you do a little studying, by the way, 
there's the gym, the level of germs in a gym are so high anyway, it was probably killing COVID. <laughs> That's a right? good line. I mean, it was yeah. so bad in That's the gym true. anyway. Yeah. It's funny. So I have a lot of tattoos, as you know, and when I'd get a tattoo, my my tattoo guy would say, you should really stay away from the gym for about 10 days, right? Let that heal up and stuff. Well, I would wrap my arms, right? Anything that was open, anywhere I had that tattoo, I would wrap it and use alcohol and use all kinds of things because I was more scared. That would scare me more than getting a cold or COVID or the flu. I think, I don't know if I had COVID um, when we came back from um, Louisiana. I never che- I never tested, but I was definitely more sick than I had been in 10 years. Oh, yeah. But, it was manageable. It just was, I just wasn't used to getting sick like that. I don't, I'm not one of those sick people, but my wife and grandson did get COVID while we were, you know. Yeah. I've had it multiple times and it knocks you on your ass. And, um, you know, at some point everyone's going to get it to a degree. Um, and I think once the vaccine was available, you know, which would essentially minimize our symptoms, then all of the restrictions should have been lifted at that point, but they still never did. Um, well, they but, even talked recently about going back to a mask mandate in Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah. Which they brought is just, it up. I mean, if you want to wear a mask, go for it. And there's a lot of people yeah. that do, but I, I just don't agree with the whole mandate part of it. But it's funny that you bring that up about the gym being, you know, this germ, you know, oh, Petri dish. Terrible. It's like going surfing, like after the rain, you know, when the water's polluted. Um, I never really thought of it in those terms that, yeah, there's a lot going on in the gym in the first place. So, yeah, I mean, you you look back in the rearview mirror and you can identify decisions that were made wrong, wrongly. I mean, remember, there was a guy that was wind uh, paddle boarding in Malibu, uh, you know, in the ocean and he got arrested. I mean, that's just ridiculous. So, um, you know, but even today, there are still people that defend those policies, even though we know what the science is, that that it's a lot safer than people were making it out to be, or at least I should say a lot less risky than people made it out to be. Well, and I think that, um, you know, we were having statistical information come out that people were dying of COVID left and right. And and then we found out that, it, well, it really wasn't probably the COVID. It might have pushed them over the edge or, you know, they were classifying it as COVID because there was payments being made or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we lost my mother-in-law during that. And it probably, I probably officially she died of COVID. But I got news for you. She was, if even if COVID didn't come around, she probably wasn't going to make it. Anyway, mm-hmm. she had other underlying issues that were ser- very serious. Right. Um, I mean, her I- husband, my father-in-law, was is probably more unhealthy than her and he's lived through COVID a couple of times. So who knows? I mean, you know, well, it's kind of like, you know, going down the list of the people that passed away. It's uh life it to a degree is a crapshoot, right? You know, 100%. You never know yeah. when the day or the hour. And, you know, you always say, as long as Keith Richards is still alive, I am not <laughs> worried about, I mean, this, this guy should be a test, you know, like a, he's like a Petri dish for, yeah, drugs and everything else if he doesn't die good lord we all have we all have a chance to live to 94 if this guy's still walking around but you know just Um, to be straight up i mean COVID is serious COVID is real of course you know and you know the vaccine works um but um you know i think i would hope that some of the more rational people in leadership would agree that if they had to do it over again they'd do it differently but i just thought what what was done in the state of California to shut yeah. down business, stay at home orders. That was 
That was really scary. Really, that was a very ugly policy. Yeah, something we'd never lived through in our life, and hopefully never live through again. Yes. Um, I see these kids at the gym, and they'll take their shoes off. You know, if you ever look at old Arnold Schwarzenegger things, none of these bodybuilders would wear shoes. They'd be in these little stinky, gross gyms up in Venice Beach, working out with too much weight, doing all the doing everything wrong. But you know, that was their life, right? That was their career. And I never, so you can get feet fungus. I used to take pictures of feet fungus online and show up to kids that didn't have shoes on at the gym. Tell them this is what could happen to your feet. <laughs> feet are the worst, right? Because it's just, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm not germ-phobe, but when I'm at the gym, I'm definitely cautious of what's going on around me. And to be frank with you, I wasn't too hip about being within six feet of people before COVID, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't like concerts. I'm not a big standing in line guy for anything. If the especially food. I always kid with my wife. If it's more than 10 minutes wait, I'm not waiting to eat. Mm-hmm. I can eat a hundred million places, well, you but know, it killed businesses. You know, it was awful for business. I mean, gosh, yeah. if you were a small business owner or a gym owner, I mean, you just got ruined. Um, but you know, what was interesting um, is that we, we, we um, stopped shaking hands as much. Yeah, they and, still do it. I did it. That happened to me yesterday or Wednesday. Yeah, so I went to shake a guy's hand and he fist bumped me, and I was like thrown off for a second. Yeah, so and and you know it's funny you look at that as a tradition of shaking hands, and I know that goes back a million yeah, years, a million years. But but in a way that is kind of a good thing, you know, that because you know people are transmitting stuff on their hands all the time, so that may not necessarily be a bad thing. That's kind of slowed down. Maybe a fist bump is all that needs to that needs to happen. Well, you know, I'm not a big hugger, right? So I would go to business events, and some women or guys too are big yeah. hugger. I'm just not a. I just I really don't even hug my kids that often. It's just I just not something I grew up with. Mm-hmm. We just don't do it. And I would make a joke after about six months of the pandemic, I was just going to start hugging people on the street. So um, <laughs> just random people. I didn't even care who they were. But, um, yeah, I went to shake someone's hand the other day and they put their fist up, which is fine with me. I don't give a shit yeah. any, either way. But um, well, the, the world has changed. Um, yeah. you know, in, the, in the early 90s, I worked for a Japanese company and I would go to Tokyo sometimes. And, you know, they don't shake hands. Um, you know, they will bow and right. they, they present their business card. And it's a very kind of a, a formal kind of almost ceremonial process. Um, so, you know, other cultures of the world, you know, figure out different ways to greet people. Well, I was talking to Carson the other day and we were I was telling him, um, I said, we were talking about America. And I said, you know, America is not very old. But in the whole scheme of things, oh God, no. yeah. the U.S. is very young. And when you look at other countries and things like that, and we tend to, and Americans are the, the worst at this, we tend to think we're the only people in the world, we're the most important people in the world. We're, <laughs> you know, we we tend to do that. So right. as our as the United States gets more filled up with immigration immigrants, you know, um, with money, without money, whatever, we're definitely, you know, the culture's changed, right? The culture changes a little bit. I know I live in an area that's uh, a lot of Asian people live over here, and a lot of masks over here. Um, and in the gym, I see people wearing masks. And like I said, I don't care. I don't care. If you had gone to Disneyland 20 years ago, you'd see Japanese people wearing masks. They wear yeah, masks in their country, right? Well, well whenever, you said you used to travel there, you probably saw a lot of people wearing masks back then. Yeah, it was common when they were ill and right. they wanted to protect other people. So, 
that was kind of a good thing, right? You know, but it wasn't, it was just accepted as proper manners um, in the culture. We're here, it, the whole mask thing's been so politicized, it, it's yeah. almost difficult to talk about it. A guy came into my office today and I thought it was somebody else because his voice was a little raspy. And I said, man, are you sick? And he's like, yeah, I have the flu. I said, well, why are you here, first of all? And he's in yeah. an office with another guy. And I would have said this before the pandemic. Yeah. Don't come to work and get other people sick, dude. Stay home. And it'll be all right. Call him on the phone. You didn't have to be here to talk to this guy. I don't want to get, I don't want your germs. I've been around, you know, I have eight kids. I've been around a lot of freaking kids. I didn't want their germs either, by the way. Right. I was ready to, you know, to, you know, put them in their room and shut the door. Well, you know, there's cert- there's definitely a, a certain workaholic or tough guy approach where they want to just fight through it. But um, yeah, from a business perspective, um, if you own a business, a president of a company, you have to encourage your employees to stay home because otherwise it'll wipe out 20% of your productivity for the entire workforce. It's and I mean, I've been in sales all my life. I could always stay home. Yeah, of course. I felt like I could work, but I didn't want to be around people. So I didn't infect them. I would always mm-hmm. just stay home. So yeah, I mean, crazy uh, couple of years. Feels like it's getting kind of back to normal. Um, the job market's still kind of strange out there. Um, some companies seem to just be flourishing. Others are still, you know, flip-flopping. But, you know, I used to say when the uh, when we had all that shit in 2008, 2009, stuff going sideways, the best companies rose to the top, right? They stayed focused. They know it's a long-term investment to be in business. And they stayed, you know, they, they just stayed their course, right? They might have cut back a little bit, but all in all, they kind of just stayed their course and wrote it out. Right? A lot of small companies can't do that because they don't have the funds to do that. Yeah. Right. And I got news for you. Small, I've been in the restaurant business from an outside point of view in the chamber. I worked for Pepsi. Then I sold products to Pepsi, uh, bag in a box pumps and all that. And let me tell you, those restaurants... Mexican restaurants, pizza restaurants, they rotate like crazy anyway in the best economy. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's not a, like COVID shut them all down. There was, there was, that definitely hurt them, but they, they'd always be rotating doors. I used to put a Pepsi machine in a place and pick it up in six months and put it back in a month and take it up in six months and put it back in a month in the same location. Yeah. 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 That's a tough business. And, you know, a lot of people kind of have this romantic vision of owning their own restaurant yeah. and uh, bringing their family recipes to the, to the community. And yeah, they learn the hard way. A lot of these people don't have good business senses and they make bad mistakes. I did a podcast with the president of the chamber, uh, Carlsbad chamber last week. And it, we talked about that, you know, you watch chamber members come in and you're like, this guy's not going to make it. Like they, they can make a great pizza, but they can't do Excel. Right. Correct. They, they can't, they can't communicate with an accountant. They don't know how to, they don't know anything about payroll taxes. They don't know anything about HR issues, things like that. These are all these basic things we should probably be teaching kids, um, at least at in high school and possibly in junior colleges about, you know, how to run these businesses. And we know that 80% of the businesses in America are small business. Yeah, or even, for sure. My number might even be higher than that. But I think it is higher. Yeah. Yeah. So we need to teach people how to run those small businesses. Mm-hmm. How's your sports? How's your, uh, so I saw you had Ted Light. Yeah, that was something. He's probably an interesting cat to sit across from. Oh, unbelievable. That guy has a million stories. Oh, he's been around forever. Yeah, we talked about, you know, him coming up in in television news in Oklahoma and in Hartford, Connecticut and Philadelphia and then coming to San Diego. That guy is unbelievable. 
Um, but you know, that's, that's just a good example of how creating your own podcast leads to different opportunities. Oh, yeah. You meet a guy and introduce you to someone else. And so, yeah, I had Leitner on, uh, he did, he was great. Um, and I, you know, weekly I do a podcast with Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. So how's that going? So I was talking to these guys at KCBQ the other day, tell them about you mm-hmm. and, um, that you had this relationship with Hacksaw. How's that going? Really well. I mean, that's a lot of fun. So we do that every week. We, we live stream every Thursday at three and uh, Hacksaw is just loaded with content, with wealth of information, yeah. just so much. So I'm kind of like the wingman. I'm like uh, Ed McMahon to Johnny Carson. Yeah. So I, I kind of operate the screens and, and I'll, I'll chime in a little bit on some of the comments. So, you know, it's it's going pretty well. I mean, the the subscriber count for him is just skyrocketing on YouTube. We're getting a lot okay. of hits on the videos. You know, we take the long form podcast. It's, you know, usually about 45 minutes to an hour. And we'll break it up into little three minute, five minute segments and post those on YouTube. And those do really well. Now, are you doing that or is somebody doing editing for you? No, I do it all. Okay. So one of the things I was talking about, before I got on this podcast was this is some things that I need to do. I need to start pulling pieces, chunks out of there and putting them on TikTok and Facebook and Instagram and all those places. Yeah. And that's something this weekend I'm going to kind of organize so I can get that done when I'm done with the podcast. Like my son says, look, they'll listen to you for an hour. If they've listened to you for two minutes and you caught them, you hooked them, right? Mm-hmm. They're not going to do it the other way. They're not going to listen for an hour and then go back. They're, they need some little tidbits. They need a taste, little, you know, yeah. of what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's a commitment to listen to an hour long podcast. Sure. Um, so you, you get them with little clips, little video clips. Um, maybe, you know, you get them with other content that you have online, blog articles, and eventually they begin to like you, Ed Franklin, and then they want to gravitate to your podcast. So the podcast is sometimes the last piece of content that they'll consume because it's the one that takes the greatest commitment. Yeah. Um, family's okay. Everybody, the holidays were good. Yeah. You know, all good. Um, you know, we had my, my son is a student at university of Oklahoma. So he came home for the holidays and, you know, my daughter is an accountant in San Diego. So we, we were all together and it was really oh, nice. Yeah. How about you? Well, you know, I have a son in Texas, a daughter in Louisiana and a daughter in Portland, Oregon, not in Portland, but so I had a few, so we saw most of the kids here. We have our 16th grandchild on the way. That was just announced. Yeah. I have zero. Excuse me. We have 16 grandkids. We have our 17th and 18th just announced, one in March, one in June. So by my birthday, I should have 18 grandchildren. And I was telling somebody, it's bad enough that I have to tell people how old I am because I don't feel it. And it's just a weird number for me to say. I mean, I definitely had, I'm definitely not happy about that. It's just life, though. It's just weird me saying how old I am because when if you said that when we were fifteen, someone was sixty, they were ancient. They were like older than dirt. Oh, you know? oh totally. And now I'm older than dirt. So, uh, and then so I thought I'd have I don't know. I never really thought about it. I thought I'd have three or four grandkids, whatever. You know, like yeah. normal people. Yeah. And we're up to sixteen now, so we'll have seventeen and eighteen coming this year. That's incredible. I mean, good for it you. Is incredible. Yeah, it's, it's such a blessing, but it's kind of hard to wrap your head around, right? Well, you know, one of the things that I enjoy doing is uh, Ancestry.com and doing yeah. a, all my family research. It's a really fun hobby. Um, and 
you know, when you go back in history, it was common for families to have seven, eight, 10 children. You know, if I go back maybe two or three generations. Yeah. Um, and so part of like one part of my family tree is it's all Irish Catholic and there's everyone. I got a million cousins up in the Bay Area. Um, but nowadays, most people have less children. Right. Huh? Um, you're in a unique situation because you have a his and hers. We have a blended family, yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, good for you. I mean, I, I'm I'm happy for you. I mean, it's gonna yeah. make your you know your 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 golden years even golder. Yeah. So I was saying to Kit this morning, I said, you know, when you think about it, we're we're responsible for 24 branches of right. So we have yeah. our eight kids, 16 grandkids, going to be 26 by June. So we have that. We're responsible for that lineage, right? So we definitely. Yes. Um, and how many people in the world are responsible for that many people that they produce, right? So yeah. besides Nick Cannon, <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. Can't keep up with him, but yeah. Um, but you think about there's 7 billion people on earth, and there's probably what, a million, a thousand people that have that many kids and that many responsible, or a million. Even if it's a million, it's still, you know, I mean, I know in other countries they still, you know, they may be having a lot of children, but. Well, it's you're just interesting. Be... I always, I always talk to people or tell people about that because it's something no one will forget, right? I used oh, to yeah. tell people I had seven daughters, so like never forget that I have seven daughters. Nobody oh, has no. seven daughters, right? Right. So um, now, when I say with the grandkids, they're just and I, I had this woman when I had like number four. This woman I grew up with, she used to go, "Oh, you'll never catch me. I have sixteen grandkids." Well, the other day she posted, "You caught me. I can't believe it." So, <laughs> and now I'm passing her up. Not that it's a competition, but. It's just funny. So, and and my son will have this will be his fifth child. Um, the other kids all are just peppered in with two or three, you know. So yeah, it's amazing. But you know, the number is just if everybody had two, I would have had sixteen, right? Eight kids. So, are you um, able to get everyone together for a family photo? That'd be great. I think one of these days. I mean, we have had that happen um, at a wedding a while back, but I didn't have this many grandkids yet. We got everybody in the picture. Um, I have had all seven. I, when we had seven, I had them all sitting on a rock out in my front yard with Kit and I. Um, getting them together, it's, it'd be a it'd be a task, but hopefully well, yeah. one day we can pull it off. But Portland, Louisiana, Texas, yeah, Portland, Louisiana, Texas, yeah. And uh, God forbid someone passes away and they need to come here. Um, it'd be better if there was a wedding. So there will be another wedding this yeah. year, possibly two. So yeah, we have that going for us. So I get to see. Uh, let's see. Well, I have two here, one and a half, because she travels back and forth. I got one, two, three, four, uh, five, six, seven, eight. I have eight in the territory. We'll say it that way, right? Okay. But I can get too quickly. Uh, of the grandchildren. Yeah, I have eight grandchildren. I can get too quickly. Okay, that so that's, five that's of half. The kids. Yeah, so I'm you know completely so there. <laughs> but it does make you think about. Um, what's important in life, right? It does definitely add a, add a piece to that where I really need to get, I really want to see those kids more. So we went, our next trip will be to Texas and then I'll go to Portland. So trying to figure out when we're going to do that, but I got to go out and see my son and his be five children by June, uh, by March. Wow. That's... He has four boys under seven. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> and they're boys like they're jumpers, and, you know, yeah. And to go through about four couches by the time they're teenagers and then another right. two when they're teenagers. So no, it's I mean, we're completely we're totally blessed. You really have to 
stop in life for a minute and think, gosh, this is really awesome. I mean, how many people can say that this is and they're all healthy. Everybody's doing good. So that's that's important, too. Well, I'm happy for you. You know, my, my life is is a little bit of the opposite because we just have two children. Mm. N- neither one of them is married or has children. And so my wife and I, we are empty nesters, you know, and I have no idea what that's like. Yeah. So our house is very quiet um, and it took a little getting used to, um, but it leaves you know, there's there's an upside and a downside to it. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm sure down the road, I'll I'll hopefully be blessed with some grandchildren. Yeah. And we have so we have Carson here full time. My grandson, he's 15 mm-hmm. and he's like going out with his buddies today after school. And then they're going to dinner and Kit and I. But we don't have Piper here this week. So it's kind of a we're kind of empty nesters for a few hours. But it's different, right? It's different when because I still have to have contact with him to make sure he's. I got to probably give him a ride. I need to get him money. Yeah, they just go give him money. Um, I um, yeah. empty now. I don't even know what that would be like. So we're going to the gym. So that's my that's my outlet, right? So Kit and I will go to the gym and work out and then get something to eat. But but I still have that responsibility to make sure he's in the right you know schoolwork and all that shit that I don't like doing anymore. Well, good on you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, huge family. I don't know. And I just got contacted by my mom's cousin that lives here locally that pretty much all of her family is gone. And I told her how many kids I had. She about fell off her chair. <laughs> so hopefully I'm going to reunite with her. And, and we did the uh, we did the 23 and me. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. My, my Carson talked us into doing it, and uh, which was fun. And then he did it. So. So I've I've reconnected with some of my dad's relatives that I never would have known without this twenty three and me, mm-hmm. right? So that that was kind of a cool thing to connect. Yeah, I, I did the same thing with ancestry, and you learn a lot. And you know what's interesting for me is I was always told that I was a hundred percent Irish, mm-hmm. and looking at society now, that almost seems like an impossibility. Yeah, that anyone sure. would be just one ethnic group, and I got my test back. Hundred percent Irish. I was That's like, crazy, dude. It is crazy because usually people get the DNA test and like, oh, I discovered that I was German or Polish or South, you know, Brazilian or something. Yeah. But but here I am. I was like a hundred percent. But uh, you know, it's uh, you, you, one thing though is you better stay on the right side of the law because now they're using these DNA databases. Oh yeah. To be able to, that's how the guy that was involved in the Idaho uh, university killings got busted. So well, I think uh, I'll be all right on that. The only thing that winds me up that much is driving in, in the area I live in, but hopefully I'll be all right. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you a funny thing. So my mom used to tell me how much Russian was in me, right? We are really Russian, this and that. So we did this thing. And prior to that, I had met a woman from Russia and told her what my grandparents' name, great-grandparents' name were. And she says, that's really Ukrainian. That's our Ukrainian name. Ah, uh, yeah. And I'm like, okay, whatever. I don't know. I don't know anything about that. Comes back, I'm, it's all Ukrainian that I am. Ah, uh, yeah. But she was right with the name. And um, so, yeah, that thing is cool to play with. It's, it's cool to watch, you know, people get added from your family, too. So I'm trying to talk oh, my other yeah. kids to do it. It's incredible. I've learned so much and it gives you a good excuse for a road trip to go someplace and yeah. kind of go visit, you know, houses where family members lived, grave sites, you know, and kind of walk in their footsteps. Like my ancestors from Southern Ireland, they came here and they went to Butte, Montana and worked in the copper mines. Mm-hmm. So my wife and I, we went and visited Butte, Montana and it was a really neat, we were there for like two and a half days. And oh, wow. 
it was special. Um, so yeah, the whole bit about an- ancestry research and that sort of thing is an, it's a neat project. Yeah. And I, um, just to say, um, oh, so I have a really good memory uh, from when I was a child. I can remember back to when I was two or three years old. And we used to live, and this this cousin that called me, my mom's cousin, we lived on her mom's property. I remember we lived in a house behind her in Ocean Beach. And I remember some specific things that happened when I was there. And I was only two, two or three years old. And she says, you know, you were in my wedding. I said, oh, I remember. It was in Vista, and I was four years old. I remember wearing a white tuxedo with black pants. She's like, you remember that? I said, I remember it vividly. In fact, I got in trouble because I got the coat dirty. And my dad finally said, screw it, just go play. So I went out. I was <laughs> filthy by the time I was done in this tuxedo. Because, you know, we're in, what do I want to hang out with a bunch of people dancing? I want to go outside and climb on rocks, right? Yeah, of course. So she says, I, I am amazed that you can remember that wedding. I said, I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember her husband, Tony. I remember what he looked like. He was one of these. He looked like James Bond in this tuxedo because he had that real slick black hair and everything. Yeah. And she was like really amazed. And um, I did a podcast with a guy that I went to fourth grade with, and I remember him. He remembers me, and we had a great podcast talking about you know the old days in elementary school of all things. That's nice. That's kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting how, you know, those early years of your life can be fuzzy. And I kind of remember things, but then sometimes I wondered, am I really remembering the memory or am I remembering a photograph that I saw that reconnected me with the memory? Uh, But good on you for, uh, for, you know, doing that. And it makes me think of, uh, remember Marilou Henner that was on the TV show Taxi? She has one of those memories. She can remember incredible specific things and tell you the date. That happened so, 40 years ago. Let me tell you, if you go to the hamburger factory, there's a waitress there that has that same thing. That's so a we used to go. We used to go to church, go to the hamburger factory with eight people, eight kids, me and my wife and my dad, stepdad at the time. And she could remember everyone's order and bring it out and never make a mistake. And I wow. used to talk to her. I don't know if she still works there, but she never wrote anything down. And she would take everybody's order, all 11 people's order and never get them wrong. And she was working seven, eight tables, right? And we talked about her because I I had read that about Mary Lou Hino, that she could do that. So when my my grandmother um, and her brother were in vaudeville as children, so they would go take like a piano lesson and come back and teach the other kids how to play piano. So they actually performed in vaudeville. Oh, wow. So when I was this cousin that called me, she was my mom's age. So we used to go to her mother's house, my Aunt Mary. And they would all sing and play accordions and pianos. And we would have these, they'd have, they were very musical. And I was telling her about that. She goes, you were, you can remember that too. I said, I remember, I remember the songs. They used to play pinochle too. After they were done, they'd all play pinochle and get drunk. <laughs> and I'd fall asleep on the floor. I, I can remember. It was, it's crazy that I can remember that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully your memories are all good. And, you know, sometimes I mean, it's, it's you know, the more crazy things that you remember, the good. It's and that storytelling bad. thing I've talked about on my podcast where you have to be careful what story you tell yourself. Because, of course, my life wasn't perfect. There was I, we had problems. My dad had a lot of issues. And, yeah. you know, we were poor. We were a lot of things. You got to be careful what story you're telling yourself. Right. You got to tell oh. yourself those positive, those positive things. Now, I can't remember. um where I put my wallet right now, but I can remember when I was three years old. So I can't remember when I walked in the kitchen, but I can remember when 
S3, right? So. Well, let's say the running joke in, in my my world is that um, I, I can remember the statistics of the San Francisco Giants in the 1970s, but I can't remember the children's names of my wife's friends. That's right. <laughs> you know, I have a lot of those sports statistics stuck in my head, too, that I, I wish I could download those out onto a disc or something so I could remember other shit. I think yeah. my brain, your brain can only take there was one of the redneck comedians said that you're he quit drinking because. He, he found out in his life he could only drink so much in a lifetime, and he tapped out. He's done. He can't drink anymore. And he says, uh, they said, do you regret that? He says, I wish I would have drank slower. Let's just say it that way. <laughs> so he could still drink now. Well, John, it's always a pleasure seeing you, talking to you. I think this will be a fun podcast, actually, because we just, you know, we're shooting a breeze. And, and uh, hey, you know, I have a every year, what's that? I have a question for you. Go ahead. So I, I'm seeing online that you are presenting yourself out as a public speaker. I am. And I think that's awesome. I, I'm really happy for you. I'm just wondering if you're getting any action or people interested. Well, How's it going? I'm, I'm actually glad you brought that up. So I've been getting so I've gotten a lot of reaction from my posts, both on LinkedIn and Facebook and a lot of shares. So what I'm doing this week is I'm going to start sending out emails to organizations like Rotary, Kiwanis, some friends of mine that have businesses, some chamber of commerces that I know, because they're always having a hard time filling speakers. And this is one of my quote res resolutions was to, I've been talking about this shit for 15 years. I'm tired of talking about it, right? I'm sick of hearing myself complain about it. <laughs> and it's one of these things where I think people don't start things because they don't think they're very good at it or as good as that other guy. But you have to understand you're going to get better too. It's just like this podcast. I looked back at a couple of my first episodes. You know, I didn't have any lighting. I didn't have backgrounds. I didn't have I, I didn't have this camera that I have is autofocus. There's a lot of things it does. I can um, I can adjust the light. So you get better at these things, right? Oh yeah. And I figure I have done public speaking before. I just want to do it on a bigger scale. So the, so the answer is yes. I've had some reaction. Have I booked a thing? No, not yet. But I will. As I ask the right people, they'll. Someone will book me to speak and understand that I'm not training people how to sell. I'm trying to teach people that if they can be better versions of themselves, they'll be better at everything else they do in life, yeah. mostly nurture other people, right? If you're taking care of kids or your spouse or your employer or grandkids or whoever you're taking care of, you can't operate at a high level unless you're taking care of yourself first. It's the oh, oxygen sure. mask thing, right? Yeah. So what we do too many times is we wake up and we feed the kids breakfast and my wife makes me coffee and she does all these things for us. And she doesn't really take any time for herself first thing in the morning. And I think she's going to be my guinea pig. I'm going to try to get her to start doing some things in the morning that are more important to her for her personal growth. Right. Yeah. Whether she starts reading, she reads at night about an hour before she goes to bed. I'd like to see her get up and read 15 minutes before she helps all of us get our shit together. Mm-hmm. And that's her nature, but, you know, it's funny, Tony Robbins, I've been seeing a lot, of course, Tony Robbins and every other motivational speaker is out, like they're hunting right now in January, right? You want to make resolutions? We're going to change our life. You need a coach. Oh, yeah. Well, that's great. But look at what's happened to Tom Brady over the last 18 months and his numbers <laughs> and his performance and his everything about him is different than it was when things were good, right? Yeah. And, when things were level. Now that things have gone this way, 
you watch his team and his numbers are falling. His leadership qualities aren't as good as they were. So if you want to go hire a business coach and you want to pay someone $2,500 or $3,000, $5,000 a month, and you're not able to retain that information because you got so much on your mind on your plate and you're not operating at a high level, it's a waste of money. Totally. Save your money. If you can't read a book and get something out of it, don't read the book. Mm-hmm. Get your shit together first and then read the book and then take something out of it and use it. But we don't do that. Physical health is so important. Your mental, uh, the connection with mental health and all this stuff is so important to get yourself in shape. You don't have to go to the gym. Just go for a walk or do jumping jacks in your bedroom. I don't really care what you do. Do something. We just forget to do that for ourselves. And that's really the basic of it. So it's the basis of it. It's not, I'm not going to talk. I used to say if I could go to a company and talk to people, I'd probably talk half of them into quitting their job. <laughs> that's not what my point. That's what my goal is. My goal is to to be happier with your performance if you're if you take care of yourself first. That's really what it's about. And there's some stories to be told with that. And I'll tell you, I've told this story before. I went to a very popular public speaker to ask him his advice. And I sat down with him. I may have told you this story before at a Starbucks. He's a local guy, very popular. And he says, well, Ed, you know what? The only problem is you've never done anything. And I left there so dejected, like, because he had run C, he's a CEO of a company and this and that. He did all these things. He was went to Annapolis. And I felt so dejected. I sat in my car for about five minutes. If I would have had a pistol, I probably would have put it in my mouth, you know. But then I started thinking about it, too. You know, you never raised eight, seven dollars in the sun. You don't have 16 grandkids. Yeah. You never ran a chamber of commerce. You never were the vice president of a moving company of sales. You never did a lot of things either. But you get yeah. up and talk. So why? And listen, do you think people want to listen to a, a Navy SEAL that they can't even fathom what they've done in their life? Or do they want to listen to a normal guy that struggles just like them? Yeah. Maybe I can draw those people out to go, well, fuck, if Ed can do it, I can do it. Right on. See, if I look at Tom Brady, I can't, and I say, I can, if he can do it, I can do it. No, I can't. I'm 60 years old. Jesus, I'm older than him. And he's, you know, and I couldn't go in the NFL and play at a level that he's playing at. But I could start a business and do something I've always dreamed about doing, right? Or mm-hmm. help that charity or doing whatever. You, there's a lot of things you can do in life. And, I, and I'm tired of hearing myself bitch, and I'm tired of hearing people bitch about it. So let's all bitch together and do something in life. So that's kind of what the basis of it is. So I need, yes, I need to book some, I need to book some things so I can, I'm not going to charge right away, but I am going to charge eventually because mm-hmm. I know guys, I went and watched a speaker the other day speak, a paid speaker. She was terrible. I could have done her. I could have done what she did so much better. I, she was a nice woman and everything. She just wasn't, had no presence. Mm-hmm. No one left there floating. I can get people leaving floating. I'll, I get people pumped up, you know? Yeah. I mean, you're going to be great at this. I mean, you have the right personality, the right message. I'm excited for you. Um, yeah, so- I appreciate that. So any help, I mean, if you know an organization that's looking to fill a spot, I have a 15, 30, 45, an hour. I can speak as long as they want me to. And I can guarantee you that when people leave, they'll be different people a little bit. Right? Right All on. we need to be is just a little bit different. Um, I remember my one daughter, Paige, she wanted to be a singer. And she went to, um, what's that singing show? Uh, uh, not The Voice, but one of those things like that where they go sing uh, American Idol. Yeah. She went to the tryouts and she says, 
well, you know, my stepdad says I need a plan B. I said, fuck plan, scrap plan B. You don't need plan A is what you're worried about today. That's all we care about. Right. You're going to be a professional singer. That's what we're going to do today. She didn't get through the first round, but that's okay. It, it was about the idea that she went and did it, right? It wasn't yeah. just five minutes. It was what happens in the five minutes. So um, I would encourage her to, you know, not have plan Bs and things like that. I have no, well, <laughs> my kind of plan B is, I don't have a plan B. My plan A is to do 15 things really good and get paid a little bit from every 15 things, right? That's my mm -hmm. plan A. I don't, I'm not going to, if I don't make it in public speaking, I'm not going to go, you know, work at Walmart. Yeah. Yeah. You mean, I will make it because there's no doubt in my mind. Once I speak at a couple of places, I'll go, Oh, you got to listen to this guy speak. He's good. You know, you will, you're going to be terrific at this. So, um, yeah. So when you, when you're out there, let me know, uh, <laughs> because I'm very curious to see how it goes. Cause it's something that I would aspire to do as well at some point. And I think you'd be fantastic at it. And the beauty of it, the beauty of you and I is our we have very different personalities. Mm -hmm. However, we can come here and talk like this for an hour, a little over an hour, and we can agree on a lot of things. And whether we disagree or not, it's not an issue. It's like you would not buy the same color. First of all, I wouldn't buy a Tesla. You have a Tesla, right? Yeah. Okay. My wife, my I, wife I, I, I would not buy one. I just yeah. it's just my thing. Today, I would tell you that I will not buy one. And I probably wouldn't buy the same color one as you do anyway. Right. So that's the beauty of our world is we yes. all have different wants and needs. Yes. And I was telling a guy the other day, I would not buy a red Ferrari with brown interior. I think they're ugly. I'd buy a black one with black interior, and that's okay. Right. You buy yours, I'll buy mine. And, I, you know, we all want different looking girls, whatever. Whatever the thing is, it's all – this is the beauty of speaking. You're going to go out and give a whole different message than I would and be just as effective or more so. Right. That's the, that's the whole beauty of it. And I may walk in and people are like, nope, I ain't listening to him. I don't like tattoos. I've had guys say, I can't believe, you know, you'd put ink on your skin. I said, well, I can't believe you have it. I mean, you know what I mean? I could say the same thing back. Yeah. So, you know, it's just one of those things. Um, someone was, I was watching a, uh, Joe Rogan the other day and someone says, why would you get all these tattoos? He says, I like them. It was just Bill Maher. Yeah. Bill Maher doesn't have any. I said, well, Bill, that's okay. That's, that's why yeah. we have choices in life. You do your thing, I'll do my thing. It's all right. Right. We can still have a nice conversation about whatever. You know. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, we we started off our conversation talking about kids that make their hair blue because they want to be an individual, right? Yeah. But in the end, you know, you do you, right? So yeah. you, you do you. You you express your own self as you see fit. And you love life and you pursue your values. You pursue your happiness. Yeah. It's all good. And I really think I am, I fall in love with every person I meet, whether I like them or not, because they all can teach me something. They all have a story that I want to hear. They all tell, they always, you know, they know something I don't know. I love that about people. Right. And I think we have a responsibility in the world to be helpful, to help people out and, Oh, you know, yeah. Do whatever we can to help people move forward. Yeah. You know, when you have kids, I always tell my daughter, it's just the one thing she called me about a job situation the other day. And I said, I'm going to tell you to do three things. I'm going to tell you to take some notes right on that piece of paper. And so you know how to communicate to that person, right? But the second thing you're going to do is stop crying because you don't cry in business. Go in the corner and cry by yourself. And then when you go into the business meeting, don't cry. The third thing was 
draw out those expectations. Make sure everybody knows what the expectations are from each party, right? I just did a podcast on divorce. It's going to come out next week. It's all about expectations, right? Mm. What do you expect from me and what do I expect? This is why marriages break down. They never discussed expectations. And then when the guy does something, the girl or woman says, well, I didn't know you did that. I didn't know you liked that. Well, that's because you never, you didn't have a relationship long enough to figure out that stuff. Right. And the last thing is I said, tell yourself what you would tell your daughter, because you'll never steer your kids wrong. You'll always give them the best information you have at that moment. You'll never steer your kids wrong. You'll steer yourself wrong before you steer your kids wrong. Mm. So if your kids come to you and they ask you a advice, you're going to think in your plate and you're going to say, I'm going to do what the best is for you kids. This is what I think is the best for you. Sometimes we forget to tell ourselves what's best for us. Right. And we just go off on a tangent. So I always tell her at the end of every conversation, my son too, do what you would tell your kids to do because you'll never tell them the wrong thing to do. That's good if advice. You do, I will come to Louisiana and smack you in the head. <laughs> you told your kid to do something that would hurt them or hurt right. somebody else, right? Mm-hmm. And I know they won't do that because they're good people. And 99% of the people in the world are good people. Oh, yeah. I actually say 100% of people are good people. We just allow people that we allow bad behavior too often these days. We tolerate too much shit. <laughs> anyway, on that note, I appreciate you saying that. And um, I listen, I love talking to you. I wish we got together more often and we can make that happen because yeah, you always teach me something when I'm talking to you. And I always get something from you. And I hope I'm giving something back to you. And I know yeah, you are. When I was talking to this guy from the chamber, I said, look, I know I'm a little much, right? <laughs> I know when I walk into a room and I'm not I'm not that guy that stands in the corner. I'm right out there. I I get it. And I know some people are like, wow, Ed's, Ed's a lot to take, right? I can take about 10 minutes of him and I'm good. That's I get that. <laughs> but, you know, that's just me. That's just life. And um, I, I appreciate the fact that we can, you know, like bounce ideas off each other and, and uh, you know, and I listen to your podcast when I can, when they come out, have my notifications on my phone, when they pop up, I was just working today and didn't get to that one. So all good, man. You know, and I, I enjoy checking out your shows as well because you always have inspirational messages um, that makes us feel better about ourselves. So, good oh, on so. You. that's my idea. So, mm-hmm. all right, man. Well, happy new year again to you. Um, I hope to talk to you soon on another topic. Anyway, this is the Ed Franklin dot no limits podcast. You can reach me at Ed Franklin dot no limits at gmail.com. And um, I hope everybody has a great weekend. It's, you're going to get wet again, by the way. So uh, I know all you Californians like me hate the rain. I went 85 again and uh, sitting by a pool. So good night. And I'll talk to you all soon. Mm-hmm.